We've got a lot more people from uh, than yesterday, uh, last week. Oh, were you guys all on Zoom last week? Okay, um, for those of you uh, who don't know me, my name's Daniel. It's good to be here and uh, good to see you guys all. Last week, we talked about uh, self-worth, so self-respect, our identity. So do you guys remember anything uh, from last week? So, well, I'm here to remind you what we learned. Uh, So we talked about how people identify themselves in three different ways. They find their worth from three different ways. One is uh, what they do. You know, when we meet somebody, we ask, what's your job or what do you do? Many of you are students, perhaps, and some of you do uh, work in other fields. So we talked about, you know, I'm a a teacher, I own a small business, and what have you. So we identify ourselves as what we do. That's one way. Another way is what we have. You know, whether you are a billionaire. Billionaires or multimillionaires don't just call themselves something. They just say, oh, I'm, you know, billionaire or whatever. But then uh, also it's about your license. Maybe you are a licensed counselor or licensed architect or what kind of license you have or what you don't have. So sometimes people identify themselves as what they have. That's uh, another way. And yet there is another way, which is what other people think or say. So some people may say, oh, you're so good looking. You're so handsome. So you identify yourself as a handsome boy or handsome man or what other people. You are so smart. Wow, you're 너무 똑똑해. You're a genius. You're so smart. And perhaps only your parents tell you that, or you know, maybe some other people may say that to you. So you identify yourselves as what other people think or say, or what you think of yourself. I think of myself as you know, uh, handsome or smart or whatever that you may think you are. Okay? So there are many different ways people identify themselves. But we learned last week, that we as Christians should not identify ourselves from any of those three ways. But we should identify ourselves and we should find our self-worth in what? In what God says about you, what God says about me. So we talked about how we as Christians, when we find our self-worth, we say, I am who God says I am. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, it's not my words, it's, it's the kind of very well-known sentence for all the Christians. We are, I am what God says I am. And that should be our identity. And we talked about how, what, what did God say you are in the Bible? God said you are created beings. I created you in the image of God, in the image of God. He created male and female. So we are created beings, and we have the image of God. And we went on the list of things. I don't have time to go over everything. So that's who we are. We are who God says we are. And we talked about how when we meet someone, we change. When we meet God, we change. Think about Moses. Moses was very, he had a very low self-esteem. When God called him in the burning bush, Moses said, oh, who am I to go to Pharaoh and let my people go? You kidding? I am the most wanted in Egypt. So Moses didn't want to go. Moses didn't think he was worth making that trip or doing that mission. But God changed his life. So God says in Genesis, he says, I'm going to make you like God in the eyes of Pharaoh. 
And ever since then, ever since Moses met God, his life changed, and he has a, his hearts were filled with the confidence. So he was able to go to Pharaoh and tell him straightforward, let my people go. And he led the Israelites out of there. And also we find somebody in the New Testament, Apostle Paul. Before he met Jesus Christ, he had a wrong identity, right? But after he met him, he realized that he was one of the worst sinners. He was a violent man. He was a prosecutor. He was persecutors of Christians. But when he met Jesus Christ, his life changed. His identity changed. So he was, you know, serving God and he became the servant of Christ. And we talked about all these things. And also we talked about David, remember? When you really have biblical, healthy identity, then you have confidence like David. David went against Philistines. You remember the most famous story in the Bible, right? The Goliath was standing there. Everybody was afraid, but this boy, David, was confident. And why was he confident? Because he was quick and handsome? No, he was confident because why? Because God was with him. That's what David says in the Bible. He says, you come against me in the you come against me with the spear and the sword, but I come against you, what? In the name of the Lord, our God. So he was confident because he believed in God, because he knew that God was with him. So we talked about these identities, and we talked about those different differences. But then whereas an unhealthy person uh, demands uh, his, his own honor and try to please people, and he's afraid of people, we... Who was the example in the Bible? It was King Saul, right? He was afraid of people, so instead of obeying God's command, he gave in to his people. And that was the difference between healthy and unhealthy people uh, who has a strong identity in God or something else. So today is the continuation of that. So today, we're going to talk about, once again, healthy person who has a strong Biblical healthy identity and self-worth and respect and someone who does not, okay? Now, healthy person takes the ownership of his action and he repents when his sin has been rebuked and he finds peace. Now, one of the things that lacks in, among young people today, I was talking to a high school English teacher one day and I asked her, what is the one thing that's lacking in teenagers today? And she's been teaching high school students for many years, and she said, just like that, she said, ownership. They don't own up to their own action. They don't own up to their mistakes. And I think that's so true. Many people kind of you know, cover up, or they, they're so shy, they don't really want to take ownership of their own actions. But Healthy person takes the ownership. Now, we can find that in the Bible, in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Think about King David. Now, last week we talked about boy David, right? David was young. But today, we're going to talk about grown-up David. King, King David, now he's in charge of the whole entire kingdom. His name is known throughout the world. Now, but then what happened? They were in the middle of the war. So David should have been in the you know, battlefield, you know, conducting his soldiers. But instead, he stayed in Jerusalem. No, he stayed in the castle. And one day, one night, he took a quick nap, and he got up in the middle of the night. He was just walking around, and guess what he saw? 
he saw this beautiful woman taking a bath in the middle of the night. If he was like Joseph, what do you think he would have done? He, Joseph would have been, oh, I can't see that. Yeah, he would have walked right out. But David looked at her with the wrong heart. David went, sent someone else to find out who that was. And who was that? Bathsheba. She was actually David's servant's wife. He knew that. But guess what happened? Do you, know, you know the story, right? He took her and slept with her and made her pregnant. So when he found out that she was pregnant, he tried to cover, him, cover up. So he sent Uriah, the husband, and says, Hey, even though it's in the middle of the war, I want you to go and take some rest. So go home and be with your wife to cover up her pregnancy. But then the Uriah was a righteous man. He says, no, no, sir, my king, everybody is fighting a war. How can I go home and rest? It cannot be. So he slept right outside the castle, the door. He didn't go back home. So David was like, come on, man. So he made him get drunk so that he would go. But he didn't go still. So David says to the general, hey, send Uriah all the way to the very front of the enemy so the enemies will shoot the arrows and he will die. So pull, pull all the soldiers back and let Uriah stay there. That's what King David said. So Uriah died. After the morning, you know, the wife was crying, Bathsheba was crying, but then he took her as his wife. Now all that action, according to the Bible, it says it was so evil in the eyes of God. So God sends Nathan to rebuke David. Nathan send the, tells the story. And when David, King David heard this story, David says, hey, whoever did this, this is a terrible man. He must be put to death. That's what King David said. But then Nathan says, hey, you are that man. When that happens, what did King David do? He come to his senses. He realized what he has done. So he takes the ownership. Instead of denying, instead of covering up, no. He fled out, repents. He goes into fasting and prayer. He didn't eat, drink. He just went to the temple and prayed. His servants were worried. And God struck his son, the son that Bathsheba bore him. So while the boy, baby boy was sick, David was praying. But God took the boy's life. And what did David do? David says, I was praying, God, how come you took my son? Don't you forgive your people's sin? How, could you, how can you do that? I thought you were a good God. Is that what King David said? No. King David didn't complain. King David, after he found out his son was dead, he got up washed himself and put an oil on his body and went back into the temple and he worshipped God. So servants were surprised. Your son is dead. I mean, when before the son died, you were like praying and fasting. Now your son is dead. You, you are eating and, you know, worshipping God. What's going on? But David says, hey, before my son died, I was praying so that perhaps that God will show his mercy and make my son live. But since he's dead, 
there's nothing more I can do. He cannot come to me, but I can go to him later in heaven. So King David showed his faithfulness. But then, that's a healthy person who knows. So who's taking the ownership and responsibility of his sin? Everybody will fall. You know, think about King David, man of God's own heart, committed evil act. I'm not to say that, you know, doing evil thing is okay. No way. It has a consequences. His son died because of his sin. So everybody has to take responsibility. But that's what we should do. If we make mistakes, instead of denying and running away, we need to make we need to do everything we can to take the responsibilities and take the ownership of our actions. That's someone who is healthy and who has a good self-worth and respect and identity in God's word. But then unhealthy person gets defensive and places his heart to unrest. In the Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6 talks about King Herod. King Herod. He also did something bad. He took his brother's wife. His brother's wife also was very ambitious. So she wanted to be in charge. So they got married, and guess who rebuked him? John the Baptist rebuked King Harold. Hey, what you have done is wrong. So King Harold didn't want to hear it. I mean, they're you know, poking in my sin. So he throws him into prison. But yet he knew... He knew that John the Baptist was a righteous man and saying all the right words. So even though he didn't want to hear it, he had a respect for him. So he didn't want to kill him. But guess what? His wife had another plan. I didn't want to hear John the Baptist going around and preaching what we have done wrong. So her daughter started dancing in front of this you know, banquet. Remember the story? King Harold got drunk. And so, whatever you wish, make your wish, I'll give it to you. And the daughter went to the mom and said, I want the head of John the Baptist. So King Harold, even though he knew that John the Baptist was an innocent man and he was a righteous man, when his sin was rebuked because he was drunk and made a false promise, he killed John the Baptist. John the Baptist was well known throughout the world at that time as a righteous man. So after he killed John the Baptist, who came along? Jesus is getting, gaining more popular. So John, when King Harold heard this, his heart was pounding. He was like, no, wait, this is, this is John the Baptist who's been raised from the dead. Otherwise, he cannot perform all these great things, all these miracles. So King Herod was so full of anxiety and worried, he couldn't sleep because of what he had done. And that's an unhealthy, that's a sign for unhealthy person who has uh, no self-worth and no self-respect. He always worried about what other people think. And that was a good example. But then another, uh, that's a, so that's the first example of who is healthy and who is not. Healthy person takes the responsibilities and ownership of his action. 
But unhealthy person denies and always worry about what other people are going to think or say. Think about your life. The second point is this. Healthy person helps other people to succeed. Whereas unhealthy person uses other people to make himself successful. So now let's think about this. Healthy person helps other people to succeed. When someone else does better than you, how do you feel inside? Do you get jealous? Or are you glad that your friend or so-and-so is being very successful? Are you glad that your friend is going to a very good school? Are you glad that your friend is getting a good job? Or are you jealous? When you start working in a company or you know, some places, does your co-worker help you succeed? Or does your boss, all he does is use you to make him more rich and successful? Are you? Are you using your boss? Are you using your co-workers to make yourself successful? Now, in the Bible, in John chapter 3, verse 22, uh, there is a very good example. Going back to John the Baptist, now before he was beheaded, okay? John the Baptist was very, as I said, he was very well-known, he was very popular, a lot of people respected him. Many disciples followed John the Baptist, okay? You can imagine, it's John the Baptist, the prophet who's been preaching God's word. But then, who came along once again? Jesus came along. And in John chapter 3, the disciples were talking to John the Baptist. Hey, master, sir, guess what? The one that you baptized, your disciples are going to him. He's baptizing on the other side of the river. And more people are going to him. That's, and when John heard that, what did John the Baptist do? He said, bring those disciples over here. Bring my disciples over here. How could you, you betray? How could you betray me? I taught you. I gave you all these things throughout the years. But how come you, you left me and following somebody else? How dare you? You are, is that what John the Baptist said? No. Surprisingly, that's not what he says. In John the Baptist, well, in John chapter 3, he says this. John chapter 3, verse 30, he says this. Well, 29. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom's uh, bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist was actually happy that the people were following Jesus because he knew his calling. He knew that he was called to prepare the way for Jesus to be successful. And that's what we as Christians must do. When you are working, are you doing everything that you can to help your coworkers and your boss? 
or your employees to be more successful? Are you helping your friends to do well? If you're in a basketball team or in a soccer team and what have you, are you using your teammates to make yourself more popular or famous? Are you asking everybody to just pass me the ball and I'll do the rest? Is that it? Or are you helping your friends to do better, encouraging him and practice with him so that he or she can be better? That was John the Baptist. Who knew that he was called to prepare? But then there's somebody else. Remember King Saul? Now, David defeated the Goliath, right? Now, people were praising David more than Saul, King Saul. Oh, King Saul killed thousands, but David killed tens of thousands. Women were cheering for David. When King Saul heard this, he was jealous. He was furious. For King Saul, David was his son-in-law. He gave him his daughter. It's really, literally family. But when his son-in-law was gaining more popular, King Saul was jealous. So what did he do? He tried to kill David. Not once, twice, many times. What about us? When your coworkers, when your friends are doing things better than you can, when he or she has more than what you have, do you congratulate them for their success? Or do you get jealous? Hey, I deserve that. How come he's getting that? That's a sign of unhealthy person. So then the conclusion is, then how can we build a healthy self-worth or respect? How can we develop a healthy identity in God? And for that, I'm going to go into uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4 mentions this one widow. Let me read this wife of a man from company of the prophet cried out to Elijah. So Elijah has many of the disciples, and one of the disciples' wife was coming to him and asking for help because her husband died. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he uh, revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So you can imagine, if you are a widow... In those days, there's nothing you can do. You cannot get a job. You cannot make a living. Your husband does all the living, you know, making money thing. But her husband died. So she, she, she's, but then guess what? Her husband, Elijah's servant, he had some debt. So the creditor is coming to take her two boys as a slaves. That's like the worst scenario. Well, how much a woman can take. Think about it. Her husband is not just a sick, but dead, gone. And now she's in debt. The creditors are coming to take two of his boys as a slave. That's like the worst of worst, right? But then Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? 
She said, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just few, but get many as you can. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door and behind her and did everything. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons call, uh, can live on what is left. So pay all the debt, and the rest you can make a living. But see, this story is so important because think about this. Elijah asked her a very important question. He said, how can I help you? I want to help you, but what do you have? What was her response? I have nothing except small jar of oil. But, but here's a, here is what we need to know, what we must know in order for us to develop a healthy identity and self-worth and respect. So in spite of any circumstances, how can we gain self-worth and respect is this. What do you have? You must be able to answer this question. If you answer it correctly, then you can live a healthy Christian life. So let me ask you, Timmy, what do you have in your life? I don't want to pinpoint anybody, so yeah, just think about it. Adam, what do you have in your life? You may say, oh, I have a Honda Civic. Or I have a couple thousand dollars in the bank account. Well, I, ha- I don't have much. Well, I have, a, I don't know. I actually don't have anything. But you know what she had? She just didn't have just a little bit. Of, that's, not, that's not what she had. What she had was she had God. Her husband was a God-fearing man, even though he had a debt, which was not a good idea. But nonetheless, she came to a man of God, Elijah, because she believed in God. And that's what she had. And guess what? That's more than enough. That's all we need. If you don't understand that truth, then it doesn't matter how much you have and whatever you do, you're never going to find healthy identity in your life. You can never gain the self-worth and respect in God's eyes. What she had is not an oil. You know, she experienced God's great miracle, right? So she was able to pay off the debt, and now she can make a living. But guess what? How long do you think that's going to last? Maybe a couple years? Maybe 10 years? Depends on how many jars she had, right? How many jars that she brought with her sons? But those oil is going to run out. Then she's going to face the same situation again. Then what is she going to do? Go back to Elijah and say, this time I don't have any more oil. I really have nothing. Is that it? No. What does she have? She has faith in who? God. That was the 
That was what David had when he was a boy. That's why he was able to defeat the Goliath. That's what Paul had. Paul has, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is to gain, because I have Christ in me. So if you really have Jesus Christ in your heart, and if you know that you are a child of God, if you say, I am who God says I am, I am a child of God, and there's nothing and there's no one that can take that away from me. Even if I'm in a situation like this, guess what? That's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. He says this, I learned in Philippians chapter 4, the very famous verse that you all are very familiar with. Philippians chapter 4, Paul is saying this, I have learned the secret. And have you guys learned this secret? I rejoice grace greatly in the Lord that at last you have re- renewed your concern for me. Now, I know, verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So Paul experienced both being poor and rich. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Then he says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he's not just talking about, hey, I can you know, be a great musician, I can be a millionaire, I can be a great athlete. No, that's not what he's talking about. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he's talking about in any and all circumstances. I learned the secret to be content. I can be content and rejoice in Christ because I learned the secret of being a child of God. Because that's who I am, whether I am well-fed or whether I am hungry, I can rejoice. That is the secret that I hope and pray that all of us will learn. Are you who God says you are? Or are you what other people say you are? Other people may say something negative. They may say you're nobody. You can't really do much. Maybe that's what you think of yourself. But God says, you are a precious child of God. Your life is worth the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. That's how much your life is worth. Now prove it to me that you are my child. By living a life of joy, you can rejoice in any and all circumstances because you are a child of God. That is more than enough. Let's pray. God, many of us try to find our identity in what we have or what we are able to do. But all those things can change just like that. We can get fired from our job. Our license can be revoked. And when we move to a different state or different country, that license may mean nothing to people. 
All those things can change, but there is one thing that cannot change. There is no one and there is nothing that can change. That is my identity in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God, not because what I am able to do, not because what I have, but because what God has already done, because what God has already declared, that I paid for all of your sins, and you are my child. God, we believe in your word. We believe in Jesus Christ. So God, help us to learn and practice that secret of being content in any and all circumstances. Even if I am not able to do things that people think we must do, even if we don't have what I wish that I have, I have you. I have God in my heart. That is more than enough. So God, I declare today that I am a child of God. I respect my life is worth the blood of God's own son. So help me to live the life worth living. Because you live, I can face tomorrow. And because of Jesus Christ, my life is worth living. So God, I thank you and we praise you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.